Welcome to season four of the Navit podcast, all about money stories. We all have a unique relationship with money and an equally unique story about how that relationship made us who we are today. This season, we will be asking navigators in our community to share their tales. We hope these stories will help us all learn more about our common human experience and dig deeper into our own financial journeys. Feel free to join the conversation. If you have specific financial questions you would like people to answer, call us and leave a voicemail at 206-405-0182. We will read your questions and have them answered on this season of the podcast. We look forward to hearing from you soon. The rules are meant to be broken, right? That's the synopsis of Katie McBratney's life. As co-founder of Own Trail, she encourages others to share tales to let people know the path to financial freedom is too real. There's no straight line on this climb, mind you, but community is truly what will set you free. Katie invites you to destigmatize the taboos that lie behind lies, and that's why we're proud to have her here today. So, Katie, bless our audience with your ways. Today, we are so excited to talk money stories with the amazing Katie McBratney, the co-founder of Own Trail. Welcome to the podcast, Katie. Thank you so much for having me. We are so excited to have you. And one of the things that I just adore about what you do is that you speak our language. You talk about personal stories and how important it is to reflect and give yourself time. I, could you tell us a little bit about who you are and, and how you got here? It's so exciting. Ooh, I feel like I could do... A whole whole episode on how I got to anywhere <laughs> I've been. Um, but I, I tell people when they ask me what I do, I say that I disrupt the status quo. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think that that encapsulates what I have done and do to make a living and as a, as a profession. And also what I do outside of my quote-unquote day job. And that's really all about challenging norms, challenging systems that are not designed to serve everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and creating space for people to reflect um, and take action in their own lives in an authentic way. And what that actually means from a day to day <laughs> is um, I'm the co-founder of a tech startup called Own Trail, as you mentioned, where we build tools and community to help women navigate and visualize their unique life paths. And my background, I came from a marketing function in my career historically, though I always was the odd duck out in a way. Um, I never really identified with being a marketer. It's just mm. that's where my skills and talents fit the I best. The so <laughs> yes, pushing against those boxes that people want to put us in and keep us in has really been part of my story from the beginning. And I'm finally embracing that and just like letting it out there has been really, really liberating and helping People know who I am and what I care about. Nice. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I think this is a a perfect question for you. And it's it's something that we usually start our shows off with. For everything that you've accomplished now, there had to be a starting point. Our question is always, what is your first money memory? Like what is the first thing you can think of when you were just like, oh, money is a thing I should probably know about? I, I, I'm sure I have some memory of seeing coins and, and dollars and an allowance or something as my first actual memory. But the first meaningful memory I have about money mm. is uh, going with my parents shopping. It was either Christmas or back to school time and picking out the clothes and putting some of them on layaway. 
and me being maybe five or probably like six years old and being like, what is that? We're getting some of these now, but we're going to come back, but we're getting those, but not today. How does that that work? work? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I remember that was the first time that it made, that it, it, it clicked in my brain that money was more complex than just here's a dollar and here's your candy bar. Right. (laughs) And there was a lot more to learn about it. And yeah, like it's not just, it's not as simple as those transactions that we, that, that was probably my first introduction. Like you want that, that costs money. Do you have 57 cents? If you do, you can have it. If you don't, you can't like, it's it's bigger than that. And it just appeared too. Yeah. So that's really interesting. Do you feel like, like, what would you say your money, your family's approach to money was? Do you feel like you guys talked about it? Did you get something different from your mom and your dad? Yeah, they they were pretty aligned actually, um, and we talked about it. But it was really covering the basics. the The conversations around money were understanding the value of a dollar, working to get money. Everything costs something, um, and then building from there. You know, create a checking account when you get a certain age. Understanding that taxes come from your paycheck knowing not to spend more than you make. <laughs> yeah, that's not always taught. Right. That's true. That's something. Yeah. And then, you know, like don't get into credit card debt, but, but beyond that, it really wasn't talked about. Um, and my parents both were the first of their families to be raising a family solidly in the middle class. Um, my, my dad's parents grew up and they were, you know, they had, um, their own economic challenges. So did my mom, she was raised by a single mother for a while and so my parents were were definitely the first of their family to be at a different baseline. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I had peers, and I still have peers today as I near 40, who grew up with talking about investments and like Roth, you know, like all yeah. of these different right. accounts. Right. At like 15. Right. <laughs> and having this exposure, which which to me shows that you that that um the the knowledge gaps um yeah. that uh, that appear and the distances that happen around financial well-being and having your money make money. You don't have to have your name on a museum wing for that generational wealth gap to affect your financial well-being. Facts. 100%. Yep. Yeah. I think that's why what you do now is so important because not only do you, you know, and we'll get into this later as well, but not only do you point out these chasms in financial knowledge but you also help people understand like it's not your fault you know it's it's natural everybody has a different starting point you know we do not start off equally financially that's not a strike against you and it's completely fine for you to have your journey to your financial freedom and and to accept that and understand that it's it's okay you know a lot of people don't have that yes Yes. And I think that, that, you know, part of what we're doing with own trail where, where people share their experiences through life as milestones that matter to them. Mm. And we very intentionally included financial milestones as both present past and aspirations, Mm. but also as, as a set of obstacles. And that doesn't just mean I was broke. It could be, I didn't know how to pay off my student loans or the market's tanked and I lost my retirement. It's very complex because our relationships to money affects our relationships to so many things. And it's not binary. It's so nuanced and it's emotional. And I think that freeing up that space that talking money doesn't have to be just talking numbers. 
Oh, my that's God. Talk our say. language. Yes. yes. On, <laughs> I'm with my people. You are with your people. <laughs> We're like both Kenneth and I are like, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's really amazing. That's why we do these money stories, right? Just to hear everyone's unique. And what you see is like this common thread of, you know, yes, you had parents and childhoods and all these things, but they're so unique to you, the, mm. the, like what happened and your college experience and all these things. So so ta- thinking about that, when you, so it sounded like you had a pretty good understanding of the basics of finance, like just how to be practical about it. But as you got out into your own, like, was there an expectation to go to college? And then when you were on your own, like, how did you realize, oh, wait, now I have to manage my own money? (laughs) Oof. Yes. The basics are great. They're the basics. Um, I I paid my way through college. So I left with a degree and debt. Mm. Um, There wasn't, there was an expectation, but not a pressure to attend college. And the expectation was clear that if it was my education, I needed to figure out how to pay for it. Um, I'm also the only woman in my family to have ever graduated college. So I was paving my way through a lot of different waters for the first time that my family just didn't have that that experience. Um, My dad graduated when um, I was young. So not the same. He had a full-time job and was doing night school. I was 19 and had no idea what I was doing. Um, Amazing. So, so definitely like I was in uncharted waters in terms of funding my education. But I also think oftentimes when we talk about college and finances, so much of the focus is is deservedly on funding the education. How are you going to pay for it? How are you setting yourself up not to be hurting when you leave? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But also finances have a huge role in deciding how or what you do in school. So for me, economic stability was part of my reason to go to school and in what and in choosing the major that I chose mm-hmm. rather than having the, you know, I didn't have a nest egg or a trust fund to, to lean back on. So right. I studied something that blended what I cared about and what I liked with something I knew I could get a stable job in health insurance. Yeah. Which what, what was the degree? Uh, my degree is in journalism and mass communications Yeah, because I loved writing and I knew People are always going to need people who can tell stories, sell things, right. yeah. and write. Yeah, amazing. It was. It's really interesting that was really strategic that you like at 19 years old, you were like, no, I need to, if I'm paying for this thing, I need to figure out how to make money later. Yeah, and honestly, because I think it's such a difficult decision to make straight out of high school, straight into the real world, like you're signing this contract for hundreds of thousands of dollars. And they're asking you legitimately, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, like you said, you didn't necessarily choose what you loved. You chose what's going to work, you know, and man, I wish you would explain that to me when I did because <laughs> no. <laughs> I kind of now with hindsight, right? I'm like, man, I wish I would have studied what I loved. Who knows what path I would be on now? Like it totally don't. I'm I'm, I'm happy where I am. I am right. not complaining. And also I'm like, I wish I would have explored a little bit more of that freedom and not necessarily felt the practicality as the, the, the deciding factor. Mm. And to be honest, I mean, I remember the student loan paperwork, like it didn't even feel like real money, which I no. knew hmm. wasn't a good thing. Right. (laughs) It was this thing that would come back to haunt you later. (laughs) Oh, it did. And that's why I actually have on my trail and own trail, I have a milestone for when I paid off my student loans because it was 
such a, I physically felt lighter that mm-hmm. day that I was like, they're done. They're okay. done. Yeah. Like I'm, I feel free. And we don't hear a lot of people talking about that as an accomplishment um, from a place that doesn't feel like we should feel ashamed for having a, achieved that or sacrificed to oh. pay off debt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, There's, is, we should be able to be proud of it. Yes, oh, that should be that should be a party. Like, why are there not more student debt free parties? Like, <laughs> that should be a market somewhere. We got weddings, we have <laughs> sweet sixteens, and we should have paying off your student loan debt. Absolutely, right? we have gender reveal parties. Why should we like? Yeah, celebrate paying off Sally May. Yo, good old Sally May. I might need to get into that. Yeah, here's a new thing. Your new business, Kenneth. Little new spinoff out of Navit, right? Right. Exactly. (laughs) We should. We should do some like celebration in the app when people when people. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, thank you. Thank you, Kate. Take it. Take it. Yes. Well, come on back and we'll design that together. (laughs) Just invite me to the parties. I'm down. Exactly. Um. But. I, I think I think it's really cool to be the first woman to graduate in your family. Like that's that's so major. Was there like pressure from your family to get this education? Was it like especially like from your mom? I feel like I hear tales of regret and, you know, I wish I got my education. Make sure you get yours. You know, was there anything like that going on for you or was it just a thing you do? You just go to college. It felt like the logical next step but Mm. also like something they hoped I would do so it didn't read as pressure and I I really credit my mom she's the one who opened up a lot of dialogues about taboo topics including Mm. money about like choosing careers um even though we didn't get into the depths of everything all the time and even growing up she talked about like yeah I do wonder what I would have who knows what my life would have looked like if I had gone to college right I don't want to change it right here and now um, so I didn't feel like I had to live or deliver for other people's missed opportunities. Mm. But it also didn't feel like, and I, I went to college in the very early 2000s. It also then was kind of an expectation in the job market. Right. Yeah. 100%. Whereas now there's a little bit more pushback on alternate, like, you know, alternative career paths and gap years. Yeah. Like that wasn't even an, felt like an option or it didn't even seem like people talked about it. Wow. We're around the uh, same age. And I was like, that was like a British thing, right? Like the yes. Brits did that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And everybody else, it was like what you had kind no. of like the timeline and they set you on this track and it didn't, it didn't even think of me to question it. And also I knew to do the things I wanted to do mm. or I didn't, or figure out the things I wanted to do. I needed more. I needed right. more yeah, ideas. I, I needed more stimulus. I needed more perspectives and I wasn't going to get that if I just kept working retail and you know in the same town yeah yeah Yeah, amazing so when you got so you made the choice to be the broadcast no you said communications and journalism right and then you went into you told us earlier that you went into broadcast journalism right so tell us like that transition from college to young adulthood and careers and how you thought about, I mean, was it still, okay, got to make money or were you starting to think of, okay, how do I express myself creatively? And yeah. How was that transition to adulthood look like? <laughs> I started off focusing on broadcast journalism, but I actually moved away from it during college twofold. One, because mm-hmm. of creative control. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to be on camera and also I wanted to report. I wanted to investigate stories and be the one to deliver them. And I didn't like that people would tell me how I could wear my hair. 
for example, because I don't. Please go back to that era too. Like this is not 2020. This is early 2000s where right. Britney Spears was like the version that every the beauty yes. version. Yes. yes, there was a very, very narrow definition of what was camera friendly. Yeah, and that would, of course. And it still does to this day follow off into people's personal lives, right? You always had to be perfect. You had to be buttoned up. You had to be conservative. You had to be pretty. You had to be thin. You had to be a lot of things. And I was like, I don't want this job. I don't care about telling stories enough in this medium. Right. You have to sacrifice who you are. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. So I actually moved over to public relations because I also knew there was more money in there. Ooh. Joke on me. I graduated college and worked at a nonprofit. <laughs> Which is cool, <laughs> but not where the money is. That's not where the money is. <laughs> no. No. Um and that was that hurt a little bit. Um, um but at the same time I had my friends that that I had graduated with who had who were phenomenal journalists getting paid the same or less or not being able to get jobs. And as we approached 2008 and the Great Recession, yeah. newsrooms, like, like I feel like media and news was already feeling the effects that would come from that earlier. So in a way, I mm-hmm. did dodge like a career totally. bullet, an economic right. hit by, by moving into the, the, onto the dark side in marketing and PR. But I certainly didn't go after. I went for the roles that spoke to me. And for teams and organizations I wanted to work with. And that was really at the very start of my career. That's been a thread from the beginning. I've, I've oftentimes sacrificed financial gain for doing work that I care about. And sometimes that stings. And every day I'm grateful that I've made that choice more deliberately every single year. Um, and committed to doing so, like very much had to come to Jesus moment with myself uh, uh, several years back where I was like, you need to decide, are you going to like, are you done, done, like selling your time and energy for the highest, you know, for the, for a bigger paycheck? And the answer is yes. I I try to tell people all the time, there is a real conversation that you have to have with yourself. Is it the money or is it you? What really matters to you the most? And one of my best friends, he's he's got kids, he's got a wife, he just bought a house, you know. He looks at me and he's just like, Oh man, I wish I was you. And I'm like, No, you don't. You couldn't live off of what I make. I'm I'm broke by societal standards, but I live a good life for me. Yeah. And it's all about your priorities. What do you truly want? And unfortunately, Either people don't have those conversations with themselves or they don't have enough financial freedom to have those conversations with themselves Mm -hmm. because they can't not work. They can't be in a situation where they take time off to figure out where they want to work. And it, it sucks to be in the quote unquote richest country in the world and you don't have time to stop and think of what you want to do like it shouldn't be that way but hopefully you know the work we're doing can help people find ways to navigate these these pitfalls and and the stress and the anxiety that comes along with just trying to live from a day-to-day life yeah (laughs) yes oh I feel like I just like I 
have chills. I feel like I just listened to a great yeah. sermon and I wholeheartedly <laughs> take agree. them to church. Yeah. Like honestly, I was not yeah. like I'm fortunate that my partner was working at a corporation and had a job stability and was mm. being, you know, was part of a big machine. And he sacrificed, right? There were some pieces that were not great for him there. Mm. And also, I was very privileged that I had that dual income that I could say, like, look, mm-hmm. I don't think I can do this anymore. Can we make this work? Right. And I acknowledge that, like, A, I had privilege in being in that position. And also, like, you know, as 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 a white woman, like, I also have privilege that the gender wage gap doesn't affect me as much as other women. And um, even that is a huge, is a huge privilege. And all of those compound and of course mix in my personality, my experiences, all of those things to where I'm able to have that reflection and make the choice that was right for me. Right. Um, And I love how you brought up this idea of like having to sacrifice yourself because that's what, in a sense, that's work is a transaction of labor and energy for money. Absolutely. And it's like, how much of yourself do you want to, are you comfortable with leaving on the table and how much choice do you have um, in that matter? And that's why when when you all reached out to chat, I was like, yes, because (laughs) I wasn't taught to have these hard conversations about money. We aren't taught to talk about salary. We aren't taught to talk about the stress or the joys. Like, right. And the more we like, you know, the truth information will set you free. And I think that that, that is all tied to money. Yes. Now you're, now I got two speeches, two preaching <laughs> sessions here in front of me. Like, yes. Amen. <laughs> I love it so much. So we're going to pause quickly for our wonderful commercial break. Look at Aaron. I'm so much better. It. I used to forget it completely. Yes. Katie. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Navit podcast. Be sure to visit navitmoney.com slash podcasts to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover other incredible money stories. So this is, it's so incredible to hear your story, Katie. And I'm curious, so as you move, I think we want to talk now, now that you're in adulthood, how did you feel about money? Was it something that was scary? Was it something that um, intimidated you? Or was it something that you just felt practical? Like you sound like a practical person and that's something that you just had to deal with or, and it sounded like you then had a partner somewhere along the way. So I'd love to hear how you also negotiated with him. I don't think that I had a healthy relationship with money through most of my adulthood because it came from a place of scarcity and fear. Mm. Um, That was very much born being paid very little and working endless hours and having student loans hovering above me. Mm. And in that sense, I was practical because money was a means to an end. It was necessary. I had to, had to pay these bills. I had to figure out how to make it work, carve out a little bit to go to the movies. So beyond what I had to do, I didn't want to think about money. I didn't want to learn about it. And I really did myself a disservice there. Like, yeah. I was just like, I don't want to think about it. So I'm just going to pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah. Right. Yep. So now wealth and abundance and all these other things. Not even a possibility. Yeah. yeah. Terrible plan. It's true. You all. It's so true. And, and I knew it. Like, I knew it. But that was my coping mechanism at the time because, you know, early and mid-20s, I was finding my way in lots of different ways of life, right? Finding the relationships, the friendships, the career. Yeah. And there wasn't necessarily a place or a set of people I could have these honest conversations with who would get it yeah totally I had friends who you know parents paid for their college and their living expenses and were helping pay for their apartments when they graduated school (laughs) yeah they would listen and they cared but they didn't understand and I didn't want to burden my family all of that I was like can I can I be adopted like yeah can they like feed you (laughs) like 
But when you say you knew it, like tell tell me more. Like you knew consciously, I am ignoring this. Like I'm I am yeah. okay. Interesting. That yes, you're aware it was it. horrible. It was so it was it was a terrible plan. But I was like, well, I'm gonna have to face it at some point in time. Mm. Which I did. And um, but I still feel like a, less from a well, I put myself at a disadvantage and now I'm trying to catch up. I just think about um not even about the numbers of maybe opportunities that I left on the table, mm. but the stress I could have saved myself. Because hiding from something big, even the big feelings, takes a lot of energy. Right. Yeah. Instead of just moving through it. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that really interests me about your story, since you were so... The difference between you and a lot of people that I know, I would say even myself, you understood what you were running from. So then what became the turning point where you were just like, okay, I have to face this. I have to do something about the way I'm dealing with money, the way I'm using my money. What was your turning point? I wish it was a dramatic thing. Like somebody came pounding on the door and was like, where's my money? (laughs) Or I had a huge investment opportunity and I needed to get up to speed. It was actually looking at how the division of financial responsibilities and knowledge in my household, my partner's a man, and he was handling that world because I didn't, not, I wasn't hiding from it anymore. I just mm. wasn't interested and didn't have as much knowledge. So that went on his plate. And I realized that was perpetuating a huge stereotype and gender gatekeeping, even though mm. he would tell me and I had access to all these things. I didn't like being positioned as somebody who needed or relied on a man in my life to understand mm. my money you're right and it's because it's also you like in a a true partnership like yeah that's your money as well so that's oh man and i was like i was like ooh, hypocrite you need (laughs) i was like doctor heal thyself (laughs) talking about feminism and all of that i was like like, you gotta gotta get your house in order before you open up your mouth again yes um and it's still it's still you know i'm still learning you know i'm not I'm not, I'm not naturally super interested in the financial world. Right. Just, it's yeah. just not my happiest place. It's not the it's most not exciting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it is fascinating. Mm. So I'm, I'm, mm. I'm continuing to like learn and not just learn out of things that I have to, but mm. finding things that, that are interesting to me to keep me paying attention and not feeling like my financial well-being, our household's financial well-being is a chore. Mm, yeah yeah that's difficult it's really hard because it's it's a mindset shift right it sounds like if you were in a scarcity which i definitely have lived scarcity mindset before that shift to abundance and wealth and like a joy and pleasure and thinking about and growing wealth like that is a huge very different approach and it takes time to re reprogram your neural pathways to to get there yes i very much feel like i am rewiring a decade and a half of, of bad pathways. And also, you know, I have to, I have to reconcile building wealth with my dissatisfaction with a lot of systemic inequalities. Mm. Um, and that's, that's can be challenging. Um, and also why it's important for me to understand my, not just my finances, but the systems at play, because I can't help change them if I don't know how they work. Yes. I always, I preach it. Oh, I always say 
financial well-being, taking ownership of your finances is a form of social rebellion. It's a form, a form for me of social revolution because if you don't understand how the system works, you can't change it. Like you can't really go in and fix and like understand what you can push on. What's the easiest low-hanging fruit to change and and push for that kind of higher systemic change over time? So I like I can't agree more. I think I really feel like if if we as marginalized populations and people that were historically not have access to our own money start to like take it back and be like, all right, y'all, this is mine. I'm going to grow. You all can kiss my ass. <laughs> like, you know, then all of a sudden you have more power and you can say you, it, it's also that when you talk about like commercialism and, you know, consumerism, I, we all want to change consumerism. But if you look at, you look at the power of your dollar, you know, you can choose who you give your money to as a company. Like mm. I do not give it to Hobby Lobby because I believe in reproductive health rights of a company. You know, like I choose these things because it's my goddamn money and you are not going to get it if you are a jerk. <laughs> and this is, I wish, I wish more people could understand their social, their, their rights as a citizen, their responsibilities of being a citizen. And like, you often hear people say like, oh, well, that company makes so much money. If I don't shop there, it's not going to make a big difference. And it's not about that. It's about doing what you think is right with the money you worked hard to earn. I personally don't shop at Walmart. I think they have more than enough money. I don't think they need more. And I don't like what they do with their money. So I don't give them mine. I stopped uh, my Spotify subscription because I have beef with the way they do things. I love Spotify as a service. Thought it was awesome. I miss all of my playlists. But (laughs) the fact of the matter is I'm not going to give them my $10 a month anymore because I don't agree. And there are indeed millions of other people who continue to give their money. But that's not going to change what I do with mine. And people need to understand it's not just about what the masses do. It's about what's best for you. And that works with giving your money. It works with how you manage your money. It's how you budget your money. It's all about what's best for you. And boy, if more people could just understand that. <laughs> it's, it's this idea that money has power only if you have a ton of it. Yeah. yeah. False. There's a ton of us and we all have some money. And if right. we all make choices, and I think that that's yeah. like everything that you both spoke about, like, it's this idea of agency. Like we're in a world where we can control so little. Yeah. We work hard for what we have. And it's like what you were saying, Aaron and Kenneth, it's our money. And like, no, I know that me not spending $5 at Chick-fil-A is not going to put them out of business. But I also know that me giving them money is going to, or me choosing not to give them my business is going to taste a lot better than that waffle fry. Right. There you go. Right. Long-term impact. You Absolutely. got us. Oh, we are fired up over here. I love it. <laughs> I'm, I'm with it. I'm Take with it. it. I want all the smoke. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, Katie, so I'm curious of how you got to them founding this company. I'd love to hear the kind of founding story as, and you know, you get asked that a lot when you're raising money in, as a tech company. So forgive me. I won't ask it from a, from that perspective, but I love to hear how like, okay, you went from now you're feeling like I need to put my money where my mouth is as a woman and understand my finances and, and probably moving out of the, like the fear and a little bit less scarcity. Right. And starting to see it as, as something that you can grow. 
But then how did you become a tech founder? And those those paths are actually more linked than I realized right now. I, yes. I did not realize until Amazing. today. I, I was today years old when I learned the overlap <laughs> of those worlds. And I don't think that that's, that's a, a coincidence. Just, yeah, just yeah. a coincidence. Awesome. At the same time, I was like, okay, I need to be an active participant in my own holistic well-being. Part of that was choosing the companies that I worked with and for. And I decided that I wasn't going to work like I owned a company and making all of those sacrifices just to make one person who already has wealth and privilege a a lot more money. Um, And that started me down on a path of working with uh, mission-led and mission-oriented startups. And I had been at a startup for four years as their chief marketing officer, loved the team, loved what we were building. But I also knew that my next growth step in my career and my creativity, it, all of it would be, it would be outside of those walls. I didn't know what I would do. I was thinking I would go off and do something on my own. I was like, I'll be my own boss. Um, <laughs> damn the Somehow. man. That's, that's, right. that's yeah. <laughs> But I didn't know what that would take. I was not, I did not have a business idea. I didn't know if I would consult. I didn't know if I would be in tech. I literally was just like, I'm going to do my own thing next. I'll know it when I yeah. know it. Love it. Um, and then I met my co-founder. And um, we met at a networking event that we almost both skipped. And in every networking event that we've all probably been to back in the, the past world, you go around and you do the little intros and everybody's got their spiel. Right. Hers did not sound like a recycled canned response. She sounded interesting and unapologetically herself. Nice. Um, Rebecca was like, I'm a tech executive. At, I'm a vice president at Zillow. I'm a writer. I have a book coming out. I'm a mom and I'm an aerial acrobat. Oh my and I'm like, God. Yes. Yes. To <laughs> all of the, that. Like that's the person I'm going to talk to tonight. <laughs> um, and I was struggling to, to find, to find my community in Seattle. I had been there less than a year. That's where I lived at the time. And I asked her out on a friend date and on this uh, friend date, I, and I called it that in the email. I was like, I'm sure lots of people ask to pick your brain. I don't care. I just want to be your friend. You want to go to coffee. That is adorable. I love that concept. It is. You have Galentine's. Galentine's. Isn't that the thing on the 13th? I just learned about it. A friend. Yeah. You guys can celebrate. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah. I was just like, look, I need a, I I want friends and I think you might be one of them. And if not, we'll have a good coffee and like, yeah. Um, And she told me more about her book, which is called blaze your own trail. And it's very data driven. It's a, it's also a choose your adventure style book. If you don't, if you remember those, like if yeah. you open the door, go to page 76. Yes. And she told me that what had started as an idea for a book launch platform, she thought was a book launch website was something a lot more. And she told me about the original concept for the seed of the idea that, that has now become own trail about a place where we could visualize and share our unique life paths and break free of what we cram into resumes be free of what we edit for social media and just choose to put ourselves out there in our own words and be able to see people like us and not like us in places that we inspire to or that share experiences with us. And I was not on this coffee date, y'all, to like start a company. I was like, this is super interesting. I was like, this is really, this could have massive impact on the world, like on individuals, but also when they operate from this place of agency and authenticity, they're going to take that everywhere. And I I could not shake it. And a few weeks later, she asked me to come on board as an advisor. And then um, as kind of like a trial run, since we never worked together um, before coming on board as a co-founder. And we launched in February, 2020. 
three weeks before the world set on fire. But we're still here today. We just celebrated our our second birthday last week, um, and we're growing and doing it values led, right? Like we don't advertise on Facebook or Instagram. I, we it. haven't given them a dime because we don't agree with their business practices. What we're building yeah. is actually an Organic. antidote to what they've created. Yes. And so I get to choose where we're spending our company's money to. And I don't take that lightly. Beautiful. See, and this is this is what we need, I think. It would be so easy for you to put in that that money for for marketing it would be so easy for you to oh man your reach would probably be so much greater but it would be less meaningful you know you couldn't turn to the people that follow you and say like no you can do this and be moral you can do this and be ethical you couldn't say that with the same authority without doing it the way you're doing it as somebody i i'm in music and I don't agree with a lot of the underhanded marketing tactics that the industry uses. You pay $75,000 and have them shove your song down somebody's throat. No, like I want people to follow me because they believe I want them to agree. I want them to, I want what I do to resonate with them. And I, and I, I went to the site. I actually looked at your trail and Yay. It is it is incredible the the detail that allows you to share and how easy it is. Like I I don't I don't know you. This is my first time meeting you. Going through your trail as a black man, your story resonated with me. That's the type of unity that we need in in all things, but definitely in money because it is so taboo to see like you know, you going through, uh, you know, buying your first house and starting the company and, you know, there's ups and downs on that trail. And it's it's moving to see someone share that much of themselves. And just as moving as it is, it's motivating. We, you know, Navit, we believe in community. We believe that when we work together it helps us all move forward. It helps us all grow. So I totally dig the story of how it started, but where you guys are now and, and what the site provides is oh, so necessary. Thank you. Truly. <laughs> Thank you. I, I talk about it in my job. I, it is really, we build tools and make space for people who have been made and told to play small, small to take up space. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to just like spending that dollar at, you know, Hobby Lobby or that Spotify subscription. It doesn't have to be what registers quant like uh, in a quantitative way as a big act mm -hmm. to be a powerful act. So like Acts. we had one woman who is very notably private. She entered a milestone about ending a, a long-term relationship. She, uh, you know, a domestic partnership. Mm. They have a child. She, all she entered was maybe three dozen characters. Mm. And she was like, that was such a powerful pivotal moment mm. that cannot be captured in how we quantify engagement right. in the tech world, in this consumer world. That gave me the power of being like, I'm choosing to share this and I'm choosing to own this, but in a place where I feel safe. Right. And in a place yeah. where I'm the one deciding this. Um, and I think that that's something 
So, so true to our spending power, our knowledge, owning our financial journeys is it doesn't have to be a big step to have massive power for you and for people who are looking at you, even if you don't know. Mm. Yeah. God bless community. Yes. Like, oh, it's so beautiful. Yeah. And, and you're, you're just allowing people to acknowledge, to self-reflect. So, you know, from a behavioral science pr- perspective, they say self, self-awareness is the first step to any behavioral change, right? And so you're just giving people a moment to do that and, and do it in community and be supported in that is really, it, it could be life-changing. So it's really cool. Yeah. And there's also the ability to give and get help in that authentic space. So you can say, I need to talk to somebody like, has anybody else had to navigate being a first gen student and dealing with student loans? Like I could just Mm -hmm. use a buddy to talk it through, or I'm looking for advice on fundraising or obviously so many other things, not financial, but this safe space to ask for help where it's not stigmatized as you should know better. You should be able to figure it out yourself. Like, no, we need community. That's this. We're all, it's, it's this idea of interdependence of collectivism. Um, I tell people that, that um, honestly, the work that I've done at Own Trail, personally, the work that I do has been mass, I'd say probably the biggest influence on how I come to work and what I do yeah. isn't Peter Thiel. It isn't some Silicon Valley person. <laughs> it's Bell Hooks. That's who has influenced driving our business and speaking, coming back to abundance, coming back to yeah. love and collectivism. And nice. I think that that when it comes to finances, we don't only have to get our inspiration from the how-to books and right. Excel the spreadsheets. billionaires yeah. and <laughs> we get it from each other. That's why that's why these money stories are so powerful. I just love it so much. Okay, one last question, then we'll go to quick takes. <laughs> what is your next big money move? Could you share with us Ooh. the future? Mm. Yes. Okay. So professionally. We're uh, raising a seed round for Own Trail. So professionally, it's raising money from investors that align with our values to keep our intentionally diverse cap table, but also to manage that cash and inflow and the um, yep. the complexity that comes with a PNL and all of that. Yes. Personally, I'm really excited to dig more into Web three and crypto and that whole world mm-hmm. um, because I think that there's a lot of potential there around changing systems of financial power and knowledge. And um, the more diverse we make that at the, at the still the early stage, the better the outcomes will be for everyone. So that's yes. a two pronged answer. Love nice. it. Love it. When you nice. go to buy your, are you, if you already have like your first NFT, let us know and we'll talk about it. <laughs> I haven't bought my own, but uh, for Christmas, my, uh, my uh, NFT, she, my co-founder has gone down the rabbit hole. And so oh. for Christmas, she, she, uh, she picked out an NFT. Bought you an NFT, yeah. Yeah, it was really sweet. That's, That's what adorable. we have. It's adorable. We have a secret Santa exchange in our at our company, and at least one person buys someone else either a coin or an NFT or <laughs> some so sort sweet. of like it's it's amazing. And, and she did it. She also helped me like set up my wallet and yes. showed me like by the way, if this happens, this is definitely a scam. If this happens, <laughs> you might want to look it up. Mean. So, like again, community knowledge sharing. So it wasn't just here's how a pretty learn. shiny thing. It was a lesson. Here's how to well. use yeah. it. Right. <laughs> Amazing. Love Christmas it. became so many things. Kenneth, do you want to do the quick takes? I These do. These are would you rather's. Oh yes. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so, would you rather rent or own? I'll say own because I bought a house a few months ago. 
Whew, congratulations. Good call. <laughs> but I was renting for four years prior. Oh, okay. There yeah. you go. Okay. It's okay. Real. Um, Netflix or Hulu? <laughs> I know. Don't I, I me stressed choose. you out. Like, um, oh, I'm going to say Netflix because I am a sucker for a good documentary. Yes. I respect it. And it's it. old school. Come on, the old school. I respect school. it. Okay, okay. And no commercials. I'm just saying. Oh, I, I, I don't have commercials on my Hulu. Well, that's good. You I, pay too much. Okay. <laughs> now we're subscription shame. We're stream shaming. Right. Exactly. No, no. Though I ha- I'm with you on Spotify. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. Pandora, thank you. Um, okay. Eden or takeout? Take out because I'm tired of doing dishes. <laughs> you don't know how many people that has been the consistent answer for all of us. So uh, to yeah. that note, there's there's a, a woman that I follow on Instagram. Um, she goes by the name of um, Akanundrum. And she explained the reason why she eats out, why she, I mean, she tips like 30% when she gets delivery, like she goes in. It's because for the the tax bracket that she's in, her time is worth way more than the money yeah. she could save by cooking. Yeah. So I'm just like, wow, I never thought of it that for me, yeah, in my energy. position, right, from for yeah. where I am. Cooking is definitely the way to go, but for her, no. I love that someone did an Instagram cost-benefit analysis of cooking versus takeout. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and smoked it. Like, she made it I unquestionable. It. Like <laughs> She has to. And I love it. cooking. Like, cooking relaxes me. It's creative. Yeah, love is too. food. Food is love. But if I don't have, like, if I could <laughs> take a vacation from having to see dishes. dirty dishes... <laughs> I would just be the happiest. I cannot agree more. Like one night I roasted a fish and we literally, my husband and I, because of course my three-year-old would not eat a fish. Uh, we just stood above the stove. We didn't even get plates. We didn't oh take up. We just like, we just ate it with forks. Cause I was like, I don't want to wash two plates. I have eaten off my cutting board <laughs> yeah. several times because I'm just not going to move it to a plate. Like The cost benefit analysis. There you go. <laughs> Our energy is sometimes worth yeah. a lot more than the objects of eating off of a plate. <laughs> true. Well, that's a, that's a sound bite right there. No, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Here we go. Yeah. This is the big one. Let's do it. This is the deal breaker. All right. Would you rather have $1 million or have $50 million, but a mime permanently follows you everywhere you go? Like in the bath, they follow me everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> everywhere everywhere oh. you go. You a million dollars. I'd take a million. <laughs> I don't want anyone to yes. follow me everywhere. <laughs> exactly. And I love a lot of amazing people. And I'm lucky <laughs> to have amazing people in my life. I'm an introvert. Like, you take that other 49. Yeah. I don't care. Just stay away. Put from it in me. your invisible box, sir. <laughs> <laughs> You can thank me later as you move your hands. Excellent. Amazing. Well, Katie, thank you so much for coming on our podcast and telling us your money story. It's an awesome story. And you're doing something that really is helping other people inspire and be inspired to take ownership of their own lives. It's really cool. Can you tell the people where to find you out in the big wide world? 
Yes, yes, you can go to owntrail.com and you can find me there, connect with me, um, send me messages, see the whole journey there. And I'm also on social, mostly on Twitter or Instagram at K underscore to the T. Oh my God, amazing. And I, I can verify if you Google her name, she will absolutely come up. It is, I mean, just all of the things. So she is not difficult Verified. to find. All those things. K to the T. I love it. Yes. Uh, this was so fun. Can I just yes. come back every week and you hang out with welcome. you? Yes. <laughs> we can talk philosophy, money, whatever. I love day. it. Yeah. Thank you so much again for Thank being you. here. Thanks for listening to the Nabbit Podcast, where we share money stories. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to like and subscribe and share this episode with your friends. See you on the next episode.